0: Daniel McKim, welcome to the Heavy Metal, we call it down the rabbit hole podcast. Uh, I don't know what episode we're on. This is a really tight ship, a really good run organization that me and Robert have put together. Uh, So welcome. Good to have you. Man, it's great to be here. Thanks for having me. We're going to talk about all things uh, strength and we're going to get to your bio because I want to answer that. But the first thing I want to ask you about, it's not what we're supposed to talk about, is have you tried the Little Debbie ice cream yet? Ooh. Okay. So I am um,
1: uh, this is a little heated. This is pretty, you like, you're coming right out the bat with these questions that are really just going to set me off, I think. So I'm two for seven, which last I checked means I can hit in the majors. Okay. So <laughs> <laughs> I've got the uh, I've done the, uh, the cosmic brownie and I've done the honey bun. That's all I've been able There's seven total and I can't find the others, but I'm trying. Have you yeah. hit them up yet?
0: No, I have not. I've got a, I've got a deficiency in my life that I, that we weren't going to discuss here, but you brought it to the forefront. <laughs> We're coming out hot. I have a dairy allergy. Oh so, no! I am allergic to whey and casein protein. So all the things that make life enjoyable, I can't have. That's why he's uh, so grumpy all the time. That's why why I've been a lot of <laughs> friends is because when I grew up on I mean Old cream pies, I was oh a, dude. OCP. And, oh yeah <laughs> i mean my mother would go to sam's club have the bulk ones and then she would just find them in my drawers like where they all went and three rulers so i just take them <laughs> and then I, it was worth the beating to me it was like worth it yeah little cream pies after dinner i don't care <laughs> <laughs> it's a good spot you
1: need to find a better hiding spot clearly that's not my yeah.
0: eight-year-old jared nine-year-old jared may not have been real up on uh, espionage and and how to hide stuff effectively uh <laughs> no, I, I can't have them. And that's the thing that like my life, I was like, oh my gosh, if I was 12 right now, or if I was Daniel McKim, who would oh. stay 12, <laughs> I'd kill that. I'd be a <laughs> man by the end of, in, in, in two weeks. So well,
1: I'll try to live I'll try to live that dream for you. Please do. Yeah.
0: Yeah, please do, because it's a sad moment. Yeah. It's and uh I I will tell you this, the difference between like people like I have a milk allergy too, but I just plow through and eat pizza and I'm like, no, you don't. (laughs) have milk allergy. (laughs) The things I went through after I got dosed with some butter, you would never eat it again. Dude, Um, you
1: can't even have butter.
0: No, right, no butter, no milk, no cheese.
1: So ice cream's out, cheese is out.
0: Cheese is out. If I have a go, we go to a pizza place. I have to order like a supreme pizza with just sauce and the, the meat and the vegetables.
2: Bro. Yeah. Yeah. It's it's uh, that's why we only eat tacos together.
0: Yeah. <laughs> Next to the food restaurants are pretty safe. You say no cheese on anything. And then Robert orders a big bowl of queso every time we go. Oh, that jerk. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> it's the terrible thing is is I only figured this out like six years ago. So I still I still remember. Yeah. Yeah. You remember those good times. <laughs> I remember, but, I remember being happy.
1: You're the guy that's like, well. I mean, I can have yellow queso, but I can't have white queso because it
0: bothers nah, me. No, no I'm, not, I'm not like the, uh, the trendy gluten free, but also having a sourdough sandwich while I'm claiming my chips have gluten in them. I don't know, not that. Okay. So you're legit. I'm legit. Yeah. I wouldn't choose to live this way. I wouldn't. Right? There's guys <laughs> in a small group. And then this, this will go on the podcast. There's a guy in a small group. He says, I think you're faking. I said, okay. I said, if you think I'm faking, bring me to your house. I'll have a glass of milk. And I said, I'm going to go out uh, after that. Once it hits, I'm going to use the restroom. And I'm not cleaning up after. And, we'll see. and that is the bet we have. And he hasn't called my bluff yet. Oh, man. See,
1: I had, we had a guy, uh, Sunday school class I used to teach. Uh, we had a big camp out. It was a young marriage class. And uh, I was like, okay, guys, it's impossible. No one can drink a gallon of milk in an hour. Of course, my buddy's like, bro, I could demolish. I drink milk all the time. A gallon of milk in an hour? I'll do it in 30 minutes. And I was like, no, dude, you can't. So we go to this camp out. And he's like, let's do it. And I was like, all right, dude, I brought a gallon of milk. He's like, yeah. And so everybody's gathering around, you know, stupid guy stuff. He's like, cuckoo. He's just slamming this this, <laughs> this milk. And he gets down Within five minutes, he's down to like half a gallon. We're like, dude, you're going to do it? He's like, yeah, I told you I was going to crush it. He gets a couple more <laughs> drinks in. He's like... <laughs> and I was like, "What's wrong?" And, like, ah. and everyone's like, "Power through! You can do it! Just do it!" He's like, "I can do it!" He gets down. He's got like it like an eighth of a gallon left. He's like, "Ah!" It's just moaning. And then it was like a waterfall, like Niagara. <laughs> just like, <laughs> and then there was a point. My wife's like. You guys are stupid. Did you feel bad? And I was like, I eventually felt bad. Yeah. I mean, like, it was like cottage cheese just coming out. And I was like, I finally was like,
0: dude, you okay? And he's like, oh, yeah, yeah. Like, oh, no I'm
1: be fine. Just, I'll try to get it
0: another time. The only way that happens is like, you know, too, is like it sounds like a Wookiee on the way out. <laughs> yes. <laughs> <laughs> it was so bad.
1: Uh, they were like, dude, what if we tried it with strawberry milk?
0: Yeah, <laughs> that's the ticket. Yeah, because it did the same thing with uh, the six crackers in a minute. Oh, I haven't done that. Oh yeah, it doesn't make you sick, but you you know you're like you can't you have to eat six crackers in a minute and you can't take a drink of water. And it's oh, no way. I had this buddy, he's like, I can do it, and I'm like, what? Let me see if I can do it. He just out of the blue, he's like, I make, uh, I create excess saliva. Well, how do you know? Yeah, just compare. He's like, we're 16 years old. Have you, something you've been studying? You make X, I can do it. And uh, he ended up puking because I, I had water there, right? He gets like crackers in and everything starts drying out and just turns that paste. And he's like, woo, woo. And I'm like no, that's not the deal. You no. do it. No, it is. So he sucks it in, you know, starts coughing and same thing. Yeah. <laughs> And again, I, I didn't have a wife at the time, but she you're better than me because she said, did you feel bad? Not at all. No. Because if you're going to bring out the, I make excess saliva, you're going to pay the price for uh, you know, back that comment up.
1: <laughs> I like how that's like a trait. Uh, give me a little known fact about you. Well, I create excess saliva. <laughs> oh, something I, do.
0: I am a pleasure to kiss. <laughs> <laughs> yeah you're you're if you kiss me you'll never be thirsty again it's <laughs> just how that's how life works
1: <laughs> that's awesome.
0: so uh, getting into what we're going to talk about although this is probably better than anything meaning all the three of us could talk about is give us your short bio uh what we need to know about you real quick so people listening in germany can, can figure it out
1: <laughs> well uh my name is dan mckim i am I guess my day job is I am a uh, Midwest, I'm the Midwest rep for Sorenx exercise equipment. So uh, I work with coaches and institutions and pro teams to design and outfit weight rooms. Um, So that's what pays the bills. What uh, my career has consisted of is I was a uh, competitor in the Scottish Highland games for a number of years. So in college, I was a, I was a thrower. I did shot put discus, hammer. And then uh, one day I was staying up late In college i'm sure i was studying super hard hitting the books because it was i mean those communications degrees i don't know if you guys know that but wow they're tough i mean you sometimes have to show up to class even it's (laughs) brutal right so i was studying and espn2 used to cover the scottish highland games which is guys in kilts throwing heavy objects and so i was like man that looks awesome i'm gonna try that sometime and I quickly, because I quickly realized I'm not making the Olympics, let's be honest, right? So I was a D2 thrower and was never going to make the Olympics. So got married, wife and I moved to Kansas City. I called a guy and I was like, dude, I'm, I am I want to try the Scottish Highland Games. Like, think about it. You, you get to throw heavy stuff with other dudes, medieval implements, and you get to wear a kilt. And it's okay. Like, it's not,
0: it's not like... Before we go any further with this, at one point, do you go? What's the conversation like when you go? Can you make me a caper? <laughs> yeah, I. Uh... That's not something you go to Target and get. because of your caper section.
1: Yeah, <laughs> yeah. Well, you got to play it against sports usually or dicks. You say, show uh, me the highlight Games equipment section. The entire yeah. second level. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> yeah. They're like, oh. Uh, I just got here, bro. I I don't, I don't know where that stuff is. (laughs) So no, you got to make your own. So that's what's the interesting conversation is, is when I was like, okay, I've got on my own implements, you know, the stones and the hammers and the, and the weights, it's like, I got to get a caber. So I didn't want to like actually make one because that'd be way, way make way too much sense. So I was like, Hey, I know. So I call up the power company. I'm like, Oh, you, uh, you guys got any like old power poles like, uh sorry, uh, we don't we don't give those away. And I was like, well, that's for a good cause. <laughs> what do you mean? I'm in the Scottish Highland games. you probably <laughs> heard of it. It's pretty big in Europe. Yes. <laughs> you were watching the Yocho at 5 a.m. <laughs> exactly. Like the the what? You know, guys and kills throwing heavy stuff, and I'm like, oh, like uh Maid of Honor, <laughs> that movie, the guys throwing a caber. And I'm like, yeah, fine, yeah, that's the place oh yeah, we got some old ones in the back. So I wound up going to an old power company and trying to chase down a kid, like a pole. So what I wound up doing is I actually got a couple of power poles. And that was my caber that I practiced with. So, you so just, if you're not familiar yeah. with the caber, it's a long oh, pole. It's, imagine like a lumberjack running through the woods with a with a pole on end, right? Or a hole balancing the, uh, the broomstick. And you got to flip it end over end. So supposedly back in the day, the Scottish guys, they would use that to cross rivers or they would do it to they would throw it up against a castle you know and they would scale it up a, up uh to
0: scale a castle so it sounds really cool now we just throw them in the field <laughs> so so yeah you get so the idea because me and my daughter watch this oddly enough not knowing i was going to talk to you there's a next thing about the Highland hi, the Highland games the netflix wait wait have you seen the one i'm in
1: not to not to name drop, but you're in
0: <laughs> a Netflix documentary
1: about the <laughs> okay. It's not Netflix, it's Amazon. Okay, okay, and, uh, yeah, it's uh, it's pretty cool. It's called the heavies, but that's a it is in reference to our body weight, but that's fine. I mean, I'm okay with it. Uh, but actually, the events are called the heavy events, yeah, there's a there's a documentary they did. So a group out of England, that's in Europe, Robert and uh, England. They uh, thanks.
0: They- I- He's gonna write that down give me yeah. a minute.
1: <laughs> yeah well, you know how baseball guys are. <laughs> um, so they uh, they followed us around for a couple uh, couple of seasons They went to like three three world championships and our uh, like US Open championship and came and it was super cool. They filmed us and interviewed us and everything so yeah I'm I mean
0: you're probably with your participation in the Highland games, you're probably pretty loaded pretty loaded loaded yeah you probably made a ton of money participating in those activities
1: well i don't like to brag but (laughs)
0: this
1: this background is i think my wife got it off amazon for a couple bucks because i'm in my basement and it's 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 not finished but it man
0: yeah it is (laughs) below ground
1: (laughs) it's below ground (laughs) no i wish man i i that was the thing, you know, I think I think everybody does that when you're an athlete. You think, bro, like <laughs> people start paying me to do this. I'm going to make a fortune, right? Yeah. And so my big thing is I got into it for fun. And then I was from 04 to 07. I was an amateur. And then I was just having a blast, right? Traveling the Midwest. And then I went to uh, the U.S. Amateur Championship out in uh, California. And then I went over to Scotland. I got invited to go over there to do a USA versus Scotland comp. We crushed them. (laughs) And uh, so from there, I I was shocked. I I remember telling my wife, I was like, Hey, she's, (laughs) she's not always, she wasn't the biggest fan of these competitions. She'd ride with me on Saturdays. She'd bring a book, fall asleep, read some more. And she's like, how did you do? Did you win? And I was like, yeah. And I got the biggest sword. Okay. Cause I got first (laughs) place this time. Cause you're an amateur, you can't get paid, but they'll give you swords and shields and all the cool stuff. So I uh and then I got invited, I was like, babe, you won't believe this, but they want to pay me like to do this. She's like, what do you mean? I was like, yeah, they want me to turn pro and they're gonna pay me. I'm gonna make tens of dollars. <laughs> no uh, more uh, shields for us. <laughs> <laughs> but it was, man, it was awesome. I, I remember telling her, I was like, look, babe, I just I'm gonna start, I'm gonna to get to travel the country, go to Europe maybe one day, and I'm gonna do all these things, and I only need five years as a pro. That's just it. Five, just give me five years. She's like, All right, you got five years. Ten years later, I retired. (laughs) (laughs) So we see who won that debate. But, um, but no, that it was awesome. Like, I I don't know, it's I gotta travel the world, but I mean, I got paid to do something I love because as a thrower, dude, track meets are usually you got your mom, your dad, grandma's there, and then your little brothers are running around like crazy and they're annoying the snot out of your buddies, right? That's all who come to your track meets. And the fact that, flash forward to 2015 World Championships in um, in Brest, Rue, we France, we are throwing in the courtyard of a thousand year old castle. There's over 7,000 French people on this hillside just cheering and going crazy. And they had a, a film crew out of Hungary there and they're filming it and it's a jumbotron or they're live streaming it. And it was like, I, I never watched it be like, dude, as a thrower, it doesn't get much better than this. Yeah.
0: <laughs> this is so in, cool. The one in Scotland that me and my daughter were watching, the Queen showed up, the royal family. Everyone showed up. Yep. And not to disparage royalty, we had a fight about that in this country. I don't know if you remember. Uh, <laughs> we had a little dust up about what we felt about royalty.
2: Um, yep. A lot of history going on in the podcast.
0: <laughs> yeah. <laughs> But uh, you still go, you know, I'm holding a telephone pole and the Queen of England's right there. That's pressure. Yeah. Pressure. Yeah.
1: And the last thing they want to do is see the American one, right? Let's be honest. Yeah. So just
0: <laughs> when everything says World War II, it gets old. I, will, I don't feel it. I think they, I don't understand it. Yeah. Except <laughs> every four years a World Cup happens or like, we don't care. We're out. <laughs> you guys go play your soccer we have hands so I used to tell uh, little, uh, my uh, kids uh, that soccer invented by the communist to uh, distract us while they overtook America because America has hands and we use them That's that's it never works that's
1: it's, history too I think I think yeah. Robert you're right
0: <laughs> like 8 year old kids are looking at you. what's a communist I'm like you know well I was a history teacher for 10 years
1: oh So you're validating like you're, yeah, this is correct. It's being
2: recorded. Yeah, We'll we'll put it out
0: there on the entire net.
2: We'll add uh, citations and references.
0: (laughs) (laughs) So getting to this, essentially your life has taken huge turns and huge adventures because you're strong, right? (laughs) Because that's an easy way to put it uh well you forgot
1: the incredibly handsome part but yeah yeah, <laughs> yeah
0: I, did, I I was unaware of that to be in the highland games that handsome be a part. Of. that's the reason they didn't let me in right. i wasn't right. i wasn't carrying carousel sloped uh, power logs in a, through my backyard in kansas city but yeah, yeah. <laughs> but, which was which was great
1: i had this park right and there's since I moved back out of Kansas city, there's it's, it's still there. I checked it a while back. So I would hide it in the woods at this baseball park. Right.
0: Yeah, Cause people are going to steal it.
1: Right. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, Exactly. <laughs> I would drag it in the woods. Right. And it's, and so one time I got to throw, usually there's nobody out there these like old abandoned baseball fields. Well then baseball got a lot more popular in Kansas city and Royals started winning again. And yeah, yeah, yeah. Right. So I, uh, these kids are out playing catch and getting ready for a game or getting ready for practice. And I was like, man, there's some people here today, but that's all right. I go walking in the woods and all of a sudden I come walking. I woods dragging this pole, you know, this kid's playing catch with his dad and everything. And I'm like, okay, it's, it's no big deal. I'm out there <laughs> and I walk it up, you know, I'm, I'm running and I'm like throwing it, you know, <laughs> kids just playing catch with dad. And it's like, dad, what is he doing? Like, never mind, son. Never mind. Let's just play baseball. Convert <laughs> your eyes. So, yeah, it's like this here's this Bigfoot creature walking out of the woods with a big old log, throwing it and then returning
0: it. You know, these kids are just like, what? Is well, going on? If you could have done this over again, you could have left that lane and then opened. I'm pretty sure it'd still be there today. <laughs> yeah. I, yeah. I don't think you was like, you know what we need? What do we need? We need an old power pole. Yes. <laughs> what for? Who cares? What for? We need it. I don't. know really, In the open, let's go get it. <laughs> I was afraid, you know, because they barely mowed. I would have to
1: bring my mower out and mow a little path so I could I could throw. My luck is I'd leave it out and they'd be like boom, 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 boom. <laughs> Just like I like go out there, it's all chipped up and messed up.
0: What's uh, the what's the failure rate on that? Right. So you know, so you run, you toss it on a clock right yeah 12 o'clock you get that's the higher your score
1: yeah so 12 is right man look at you Get your homework
2: Uh
1: (laughs) so it's measured on it's not on distance it's not on height it's on accuracy right so it's measured on the face of a clock so you're running you flip it it's got to hit land end over end and then based on how whoever's closest to 12 o'clock or has the most that's who wins so let's say we have a comp we have 10 people a good comp and the caber will have maybe two or three guys actually turn it. And maybe only one guy gets a 12. That's like ideal. If you got everybody turning it and you got the judge going ah 12 Oh four, you know, and it's just like, okay, dude. And the crowd gets bored. They're like, Oh, wow. What are these? This is boring. But if you got, you kind of build it up, and you got a guy, and nobody's turned it in the first round, and then some dude comes up and smacks it over. Crowd's like, "Holy cow, this is awesome! Wow, how come he can do it? And nobody else can." And, you know, of course, everybody's the expert in the crowd, and they're like, "Run faster!" Yeah, thanks, buddy. I got it. Pull you know, like, harder, okay? Thanks. You know, so it's uh,
0: that's the yeah. perfect. If you that's can, the same like, thing in the baseball community, you got a mom yelling, throw strikes. Yeah, <laughs> was that? I forgot about that. Don't strike out. Thanks. Thank you. Thank you, people. Uh, Before you laid that wisdom on me, I was actively trying to strike out and walk people. Yes. Sat down, throw strikes in my gloves when I look at it every time. (laughs) That's right. (laughs) Well, what did you do? Because we're, you know, as much as it has been out, I learned more about the Highland Games than I ever thought I would. Yeah. outside of watch that documentary, you met the queen of England. That's what I'm going to uh, agree to believe for the rest of my life.
1: Okay. You can, you can believe that. Yeah, (laughs) I
0: can. can. Uh, can. Uh, I'm going to. (laughs) uh, What did you do? What is the, this is in the script. What are the fundamental differences between what you have to do to get strong, right? What, what are the things that you go, Hey, if you're going to, if you're going to hit the ball hard, throw the ball hard, do a caber toss, what am I going to do outside of actually doing that thing, yeah. right? Because that's obviously that's the best thing you can do to get better at whatever you're doing and just do the thing. Yeah. What would your training look like to get ready for that event?
1: Yeah. No, that's a good question. So for me, I mean, the the main movements were always critical for me, bench, squat. Um, I honestly have never been a deadlifter. I, when I was throwing, I had too many back problems I had to worry about. So I didn't deadlift. I just, I don't feel the risk is worth the reward when it comes to what I would call like rotational athlete, like, like a thrower, much like baseball, right? Uh, I just not a firm believer in that. So everybody's saying like, well, I love deadlifts. I was like, that's fine. You can do it. But just to understand with the, the amount of repetitions you're going to do in your sport and the amount of pressure and stuff you put on your back, I don't feel it's necessary to worth it. So I didn't deadlift when I were, whenever I was throwing I am a big believer in hang clean and hang snatch variations, which for me was was huge. And I knew not a full power clean because for me, people are like, oh, you got to clean from the floor. And I was like, I don't throw anything from the floor, right? So for me as a thrower was that power, that power position, right? So the slightly bent legs and what we call the power C, whatever you want to call it, that ability to just transfer that from a, whether that was throwing a caber where I'm I'm just you know, coming quick or whether I was in a power position with the stone or the weight, it's that kind of slight bent knee power position. So I was a big believer in snatch, hang snatch and hang clean. And honestly, that's that was like my barometer, like if I was going to throw far. So if I had a days where I'm like, dude, my my snatch, especially, but sometimes when I clean that transfer of power, if I'm hitting big numbers or I'm hitting good speeds, whatever I'm doing, if I feel strong there, I found like, man, I'm throwing far. And so all the other stuff was great, but for me, it was that Olympic lifting variation, the cleans and the snatch, that really relayed to me that, wow, I'm ready to
0: throw That You blew my mind. I'm a huge deadlift guy, but I thought uh, mainly because but everything else, the only reason I've ever thought about deadlifts is most of our athletes don't know how to interact with the ground. Mm-hmm. don't know how to use the ground not that, just because we we grow up in Nike Airs and real cushioned and stuff like that. And, and our feet are constantly on that, you know, uh, that heel being lifted. And we had one poor kid. We love the kid, but he was so, he couldn't interact with the ground in such a way that he would just fall down. Like if we put him in sock feet, he would walk and fall. He had no idea how to interact with the ground. In fact, still this day, when he comes in, he's so conditioned, he just takes his shoes off.
2: Yeah, it's like, it's yeah. like, with a baby giraffe. Yeah.
0: <laughs> oh wow. We would uh, but you know, everything you're saying gives the same thing. You're learning how to interact with the ground. Yeah. I think that's a common misconception because that transfer of power into the ground and back up through the athlete, I, most kids don't know how to do that. And you know, yeah. you know Robert saying before we got on, you walk into a, a, a high school weight room. I like your videos. Uh, not only are they, are they skipping out on most exercises, but you look at the board. And I walked in once. Our strength guy had them doing curls. I like, mean, why, why are we doing dumbbell curls? huh? Why, well, we're working out. No, I get it. <laughs> but I'm asking you, why are we isolating the curls for my baseball athletes? Just isolating them. Are there any more compound movements we could do? And he just stared at me. We're doing curls. It. No, I can read your board. This has been a great conversation. <laughs> so, <laughs> kind of or- organizing a uh, uh, a high school weight room or something, like or a workout program for throws. I think now thinking about, it, there's far more transfer here to what you were doing to what baseball players are doing, right? Even yeah. in stone throws and stuff like that, uh, help us out, help our listeners out, help any high school coach out maybe li- listening. What would you say? Listen, here are the things we got to do to learn how to be explosive. Right. Yeah. moment, That is what needs to happen. All good athletes are explosive athletes and you yeah. have to train that. So I'm, I'm Jared Fuller. I'm a high school coach and I've got an hour uh, with 20 athletes coming in.
1: What are we going to do? Sure. Sure. I think you make I mean, you make a great point with transfer of power right in any sport. Is critical for me as a rotational, largely rotational athlete and uh, transition of power, or transferring that power was critical. So for me, if I've got an hour, I am twice a week, I'm hitting, you know, once a week I'm hitting hang clean variation, and the other week, uh, the other day of the week, I'm hitting the, some kind of hang snatch variation, I'm hitting a compound movement of that sort. And you don't have to catch everything. And I think that's what some people don't realize is they think if I do cleans, I have to do it from the floor. I have to do it uh, a full catch where I'm landing on my butt practically, and I'm standing up out of the hole. To, To me, I don't feel that that really transfers to sport as well as perhaps a hand clean variations. I pull it off the rack, bend forward, bang, I pull, I catch it. Now you don't always have to catch it, right? I got jacked up wrists from I don't know how many thousands of throws and 25 years of throwing I've done. Right. Especially I got a jacked up right wrist. And so I used straps for my cleans and snatch. Oh no. Right. Horrible, horrible. Can't believe you use straps. But guess what? If your athlete cannot wrap properly rack the weight, is it better that they use straps than like, well, he just won't do it because you can't properly rack it without straps and was like no and the goal here is not for me to get my grip strength strong it is to transfer that power like you're saying so and so that's for one and for two we have to understand we don't always have to catch it i threw with a lot of guys there were olympic trials throwers they were way more athletic surprise yeah but no way more athletic than me which who are the these hard. golden gods <laughs> <laughs> yeah way more athletic than me and had a far better track careers than i ever did and they would never catch anything so they would do high pulls and so one of the things i think we have to realize just, is they would just drop it you just pull pull and catch you know pull but you don't have to like one thing i always think of is uh whether that was wrist problems or shoulder problems, whatever it is, if something is stopping you and catching hurts or you can't catch it, that's okay. A lot of people even believe catching is not even the most important thing, which I would I would concur. The pull is so what I would do when I would go through phases I would program high poles, like on my rack, I have the four-sided hole design. It's soar next so a one quarter PVC pipe fits perfectly in that hole. So what happens is when we're doing and we're programming high poles whether that's a snatch or clean, we use clean, We're like, all right, everybody grab the cleans. We're going to do high pulls to your, your chest. And so what do we do? People pull up to the chest. No, they pull the chest down, you know, they're pulling, they're pulling the chest down. So giving them a target. And so what I would do is I'd put that pipe in there, right at my, my chest level, right at my armpit level. Cause that's where I want to pull. And it forced me to pull into that, that post into that pipe. So if we're programming some kind of clean or snatch variation, understand we don't always have to catch it. You, I don't think you need to do it from the floor. You don't always have to do it from the floor, but, but there's ways that you can set targets, whether that's a pipe or maybe it's inside the rack and there's a, there's a band across there. There's that, like that, I knew without even looking, I was hitting that pipe. It was forcing me to pull through it. So if it's me and I'm programming for high school and you want to progress it too, do high pulls. Is there,
2: uh, is there a high injury rate? Because I, I I remember uh, about five, six years ago, there was this big movement in baseball to move away from cleans and jerks because a, a lot of guys were having wrist and, like, UCL injuries. And so, like, w- with some of the organizations I've been with, I've never seen a guy do a power clean or anything like that in, inside of a weight room. Yeah.
1: Yeah, and that's and also the correlation to a lot of times overhead baseball guys won't do o stuff overhead, right? Based on some of your shoulder stuff. And so honestly, I think that's why like a high pull would be a good application is because you're not getting that, you're not catching it, right? You're not getting that elbow and your the wrist and the forearm. You're getting to where you're pulling. And it's just you're keeping wrists down, you're keeping your hands down, you're still, but you're just pulling it. So that transfer, you still get that explosion you get that read of, of hitting something and pulling high, but you don't get the impact of, like you said, the wrist onto yeah. the hand. Kind of
0: thing.
2: No, I, I like that. That's a good idea. Like, yeah, you're still getting the benefit, but you're mitigating the possibility
0: of injury. Yep. Well, see, that's always what's kept me from doing Olympic lifts. I'm actually, there's a USA certified coach here. My daughter goes to see him and I'm actually going to start working with him is from the outside looking in, it looks very complicated what i'm saying and that's nothing that scares just scared me uh you know uh I, you know as a guy who liked to lift and pick up and move heavy things because why not right <laughs> i, I yeah. again i'm not i'm not i'm not a great athlete and i know again you looking at me i know that's going to probably have you fall out of your chair because you can just tell I just, <laughs> just chiseled. You're like whoa is that why is that piece of granite talking to me but uh, the, the thing that I could always do is, you know, I could lift heavy. That's how I could ke- see, fuel my competitive fire, right? Yeah. Because 400 pounds off the ground, 405, there's always another plate to add on, and it's just a personal battle from within. So I've stayed away from it. What are, what are tips and tricks that we can to guys like me or high school coaches who don't understand the Olympic movements that we can kind of walk stair-step into that stuff where we don't hurt kids? Right.
1: Yeah, and that's that's the thing, right? Especially if you're a high school coach, you only have a certain amount of time. Do I want to spend a large part of my time teaching the minor workings of a clean or a snatch? Absolutely, one hundred percent no. I don't have the time. I want kids to get strong, and that's why. Like, if you ever look through my training videos through the years, they're ugly cleans, they're ugly snatch because I don't care. <laughs> I am not competing in in the Olympics. I'm not competing in Olympic lifting. I'm competing in throwing and I'm competing in something that has a high high power outage needed. And so that's why my cleans are not, I don't think they need to be perfect. And that's why I think with high schooler, especially, or for a beginner, those high pulls are huge. You know what, Just, just take the bar, take the PVC pipe. You're gonna pull it up as fast as you can. Bang, try to hit your chin with it. You're just bang, you're gonna pull it up as high, as fast as you can, as hard as you can. And that's how we can progress as they get used to that, and you want to catch it, great. But for me, it's just the fact of it is simple for people to understand. Give me a violent movement where you pull it hard and fast up to your chin. Just do that, and so that's a that's a big thing.
0: I think that we can just we can all use, especially for all beginners. And help me out with this because this is something that's confused me. Every time I walk into a high school weight room or see high school boys working out, they're in love with the front squat. Is everybody in love with the front squat? What am I missing? Yeah. Yeah. I mean, because look at guys like their quads are huge. You're like, what are you doing? But you know, six sets of 25 front squat. Front squat. Yeah. But why, why? <coughs> why? Is it is that is the transfer that much? I mean, is the guy who did throwing stuff? Were you big on front squats? Oh man. It's like you've watched <laughs> my training morph over the years when you're asking these
1: questions. So I uh, was. A- Big I to you. live in
0: Amarillo, Texas. I'm your neighbor, and you just <laughs> – surprise. I,
1: I knew it. There you are. You guys are right there. Man, honestly, I was a big front squad only guy for a long time. And I was – and then I – honestly, I, 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 I corrected my ways –
0: <laughs> don't front squat very much well, what was a, so what was the thought process when you were like i'm hammering front squats what was your thought process
1: yeah i mean for me okay so as a rotational athlete um just the interior load i thought that would be best for me like okay much of my throwing rotational is anterior load and for us like a left side block which i don't know mechanics of like i shared with you guys earlier my my swing consists of I played T ball one year and then I went to um I did coach pitch for one year and uh and then you know he was throwing the heat inside and I just had to get out of there. So uh
0: <laughs> just not for me. <laughs> <laughs> yeah.
1: So for us, it's that block of that left side, right? So if I want to throw big, it's it's one thing for me to be to be able to finish and hit a throw, but it's the ability to me to stop, right? Stop my moving with that left side, having that firm block. And so I was like, well, shoot, I need to have a strong interior, especially the left side and just really crank. And what I realized is how much posterior uh, plays into the fact of me throwing far. And so I was like, man, I just, I'm not doing well in my ca- as well in the caber toss. I'm not doing as well in the weight over bar. And so when I started, I kind of dropped a lot of the front squat and just went back squat. Honestly, that's when I started throwing my best. And it was like one of those realizations like doggone I was in so in love with the front squat for all these years again they're important I'm saying yeah I would still do them but I moved my move my focus to back squat and that's when my numbers really started to improve so I agree with you I I think that we we got to get into that back squat and start hitting that if we really for as rotational athletes there's a lot of benefit there
2: you think um you think there's benefit to like mixing in like unilateral lifts, like a uh, backloaded reverse lunge to help baseballs a, uh, for most, most of the movements are unilateral. You know, your, your legs are doing two different movements. Yep.
1: Yeah. i uh, through the years of big, uh, when it comes to rotational athletes and, and throwers, I mean, for me, it's always been a lot of, a lot of that. I am a big believer in weighted step-ups did those my whole career. I don't know how long I did those big lunges guy, hate lunges. Man, I love the effect they have, they have on you, and to do that, right, exactly. So I think we've got to make sure you mix in some of those
0: unilateral stuff. I always get sick on days I'm supposed to do lunges. I don't know what's going on. Because uh, Robert, he Robert spent some time in Pennsylvania, and we would we would live together on occasion. When so when he came back, he said, "Hey, they're really big on uh, reverse lunges as far as how they translate in creating power from a pitcher." Some of these things are really similar, like you said. Well, we you're setting that that block when you're throwing a shot for a hammer. That's a baseball player has to do. They have to block out their lead leg, yep, hitting, and they have to block out their lead leg when they're pitching, yep, and their left hand. So though, that's incredibly similar in how you how you get how you get velocity, or how you as you get all that inertia, then you stop it. But uh, uh, Robert came back with we're going to do uh, reverse barbell lunges. And I've been squatting, actually, for some stupid reason. I was like, you know what? I'm going to squat every day in January. Why? Because. Because you can't. Because I can't. So yeah. I squat every day in January. And I'm like, my legs are probably bulletproof now. Did one set. Uh, <laughs> lunges, not even heavy. And I think I I think I got out of bed and then sat on the couch all day Saturday because my hamstrings like, you're not going anywhere. You're, you're, well, the, you're done. The school I was at, the coach is
2: like, He's really good with utilizing data for player development, and so he, I, we like helped him like put a four-year study together, and he found that the lifts that had the highest correlation to arm speed and bat speed was deadlift and backloaded reverse lunges. Nice. So that's why their like main focus of their their program was were those two lifts was deadlift and backloaded reverse lunges, and I mean some of those dudes are backloaded reverse lunging like three hundred fifty yeah. pounds, like yeah, so yeah, Wait a buck eighty. Yeah, some of those kids are just massive human beings, moving large amounts of weights and hitting the ball farther than I can drive on vacation. Just-
1: that's and that's the thing is sometimes the hardest stuff is it's <laughs> stuff that's best for us, you know. And that's and that's well, like you said with the the ability to block and stop that left side. I was was a <clears> 2014, <throat> so I was I, I made that movement like you said from the front squat to a back squat, and I'd really it's like that balance. Right. And so I'd kind of let my interior side be deficient. So I went to a, I was for work, I was traveling and went to a coach and, and we're just making a sales visit. And uh, the coach was like, Hey, we just got some force plates in. You want to jump on? I'd love to test you. I'm like, yeah. What do I got to do? Like, well, you got to do a vert. And I'm like, ah, man. Okay. So ran through the test, hooked me up to this stuff. Right. And so kind of find out, pulls up the report and like, wow, you're really deficient in your interior interior. You're like overcompensating. You're overpowering and overcompensating with a posterior than your interior. I'm like, what? Whatever. Like, you no know way. <laughs> I used to quite a bunch. Now I don't much anymore. And uh, we were talking about, okay, well, and we started breaking it down. Okay. Lifting. You're not seeing that this is applicable, but let's look at your throwing. And so looked at my throwing and realized, well, yeah, that anterior is that block side of the ability to stop it. Right. And I was like, well, yeah, I've been blowing out on my finish and I'm not getting a good block. I wonder what that is. So I, I rearranged my programming. Right. So I did, I spent like, I would do a posterior day and I do an anterior day and I just really loaded up and just a lot of the simple stuff that we forget like backward sled drags are brutal. Oh yeah. And it lights you up. Uh, this backward stair climbs, so I'm at a, I was at a globo gym at that point in my career. And so like people are going up to the cardio deck and there's me like <laughs> carrying these dumbbells up and they're like, well, he okay. And I'm like, yeah, fine. And they're like, excuse me. I'm trying to get the elliptical. I'm like I'm trying to work my interior interior load and throw further, but you go ahead and get on the step climber. Okay. And so, I, uh,
0: I I over and over again. I'm a professional athlete.
1: <laughs> yeah, exactly.
0: You probably heard of me.
1: Well, you haven't. Okay. <laughs> nice to meet you. I'm Daniel. Now you've heard, <laughs> <laughs> you heard of me. That's right. Uh, so I did that. And then sure enough, like that was, I hit that late in my office or mid in the off season. By the time I hit my second games, <clears throat> like I was, I was thrown really, really well. I I'd set. uh, i set a North American record in the lightweight for distance and I broke the world record in both hammers. And I was like, again, those things that we realize we wish we would have known. Right. I'm like, on what if I'd done better about this balance? I went from being super focused on interior <laughs> and ditching that going to posterior and like, man, where's this balance at? But I found, I started watching videos of practice. I'm like, dude, I am blocking so much better. I'm hitting that so much better. Just because I was focusing focusing on that interior and creating more work for that. So it's interesting you brought that up because that was a huge point and a turning point in my career because 14, 15, 16 were some of like when I kind of turned and was really hitting some big numbers.
0: Well, you've you mentioned you – know, so the, the injury rate for everybody that involves in athletics is going to happen. If you pursue anything athletically long enough, you're going to get hurt. Yeah. The, the – the, the, I tell kids the safest pitch count is zero. If you never want to have any ability to blow your arm up, never throw a ball. Right? That, that's the safest pitch count. And once we go down this road, there's going to be a point where you'll find yourself injured. Human body breaks down. But I have you mentioned that you have any shoulder issues. You've mentioned wrist, elbow, um, stuff like that. Should uh, should baseball athletes for shoulder, girl health be training overhead? Should. Athletes- Ooh. <laughs> Ooh. Really it's okay.
2: Good. It's okay to be controversial. Like uh we most of everything we say or put out on social media yeah. gets blown up. So yeah. we're used to it. Yeah.
1: This is okay. So yeah. you just throw me out there. What is that thrower? Well, no, you
0: don't play baseball. Oh, that you're gonna get <laughs> that for yeah. sure. You're gonna get His
1: track guy, sure. he doesn't he know anything.
0: Daniel McKim wears blue jeans when he plays softball. <laughs> Exactly. <laughs> Only when I pitched, I think that was the thing. If
1: you're going to wear jeans and softball in softball church league, you have to be the pitcher. So,
0: <laughs> so just jump on in. You're getting, you know, once Robert posts this, there's going to be a bunch of guys in, in that are uh, daddy ball and high school coaches are going to come. You, and it's going to be okay. You'll be all right. <laughs>
1: They're going to hate me. It's okay. uh As long as it's okay, yeah. I will say I had injury wise, I had back. I almost back in uh, my second year of going pro, like my back was super jacked up and I almost, I almost quit. Like it was, it was pretty rough. And that's largely people say, well, that's because you had back problems. That's why you want to deadlift. And I was like, it's because I deadlifted, I had back problems. (laughs) So that was what didn't work for me. And I was just, as I'm sitting there in pain, trying to figure this out, like, what am I doing? Like, why am I doing things from the floor when I never throw from the floor when I am throwing from that power position let's let's train that but anyways I had that I've had wrist issues that's from throwing man different types of stones for all those years elbows have been good shoulders have been crazy healthy and so yes unpopular opinion I feel rotational athletes throwers of some sort I honestly think you need to do overhead work um I am a big believer in a standing overhead press. I'm not a big push press guy. I'll do a strict overhead press. I love those, especially, uh, it seems to, I knew that when my overhead press was high, uh, one of the events we do is a standing brain throw, which is like a 22 to 24 pound stone that you throw, but you can't have a, uh, an approach. It's just a standing power throw.
0: When I was, that's when I was, a, that's just the most testosterone driven thing I've ever heard in my life. Like, what are we going to do next? Pick that stone up and throw it out you just stand there and throw it (laughs) throw it the best (laughs) girls run when they throw the stone men stand (laughs) men
1: stand Portland Highland Games has a 96 pound stone that you throw so that would make everyone's worst it's like oh man and of course you know the volunteers are like well I'll go help out in the Highland Games like all right cool you're gonna go out to the heavy events you're gonna help retrieve the implements okay and the guy shows up and like uh, yeah, hey buddy, you're gonna go help with the 96 pound stone after they throw it, you gotta bring it back. <laughs> so this poor guy's like doing <sighs> shoulder loads for like two hours carrying the 96-pound stone back to people. And it was like, that poor guy, he just got roped into this.
2: He you didn't is- think they'd be uh giving the poor guy a wheelbarrow or something. <laughs> yeah, right.
1: Uh, but no, unpopular opinion, yes, I believe you should do overhead stuff because um it just it just to me it just it makes sense and again not going to be a popular opinion because I know that's a that's a touchy subject, but for me it was overhead snatch it was a huge part of my career overhead press like I said was a big part of my career as well.
0: Yeah, you may get roasted on that, and I and, and at one point in time, uh, I, I I was anti overhead stuff for my athletes, so I would say I would say you no, know, really, we never. You know, we never really function over here, right? We're trying not to function this up here.
1: Yeah.
0: Um, the older I got, the more BP I threw. The more everything started wearing out, right? I I tell people when I started coaching, I would throw BP from 60 feet, and now that's progressed to like 19 feet. And I still can't pull guys up anymore. <laughs> but I can be like, I can be like, yeah, I'm about to drop a big curveball on you and then trash talk a 16 year cold to feel you know feel better about myself. I'm going to touch that junior. <laughs> yeah, baseball 22 miles an hour. <laughs> I, uh, the more I coach, the more my shoulders bothered me. And even to the point that sometimes, like, if we had a real intense day where I was throwing BP, I couldn't sleep. Uh, my shoulder hurt that much. Man. And causation, not always even correlation. Uh, I got into powerlifting. So I got into powerlifting mainly because you, you'll like my story here. I always would go to baseball practice and I was a terrible kid, especially a terrible teenager. Cause I asked way too many questions and coaches hate when teenage boys ask them questions, figure that out a lot. But the, uh, the coach would be standing there 70 pounds overweight, going, gentlemen, it's very important that you are physically fit. In my head, I'm like, it must not be that important. <laughs> <laughs> you know, uh, if you need to bench press. I don't, don't know if you can bench press. I mean, if it's all important and you should you know, be doing it. So, I kind of made a I got into coaching, I got in charge, put in charge of taking care of our conditioning. It's like, well, I at least want that kid to look at me and go, well, maybe he ran today, maybe he did sprints today. Yeah. So I'm doing it and it was all it was all trial and error. Didn't know anything. Right. You you start looking at the West Side Barbell guy, or you go to bodybuilding.com and you go to the Arnold program. And you realize I don't want to do 200 Arnold presses today. Yeah. I'm not Arnold Schwarzenegger. Um, you know. But, uh, me just rambling on right now, but that being said, I noticed a a direct cause of my shoulders got better when I went to strict overhead press. Uh, and those, then I don't have shoulder issues now. And even as, even as you progress heavier, uh, I can go still throw, I can throw BP without warming up and not have that, that pain. And that changed. It flipped for me significantly that, yeah, we're going overhead. We're we're stuff overhead. And, uh, it's I don't know if it's in if you saw guys working overhead in spring training. Um, can't I can't really talk about that. Okay. <laughs> what <laughs> are the <laughs> <reservations>? proprietary information?
1: <laughs> as a base as baseball guys, what are the reservations to having? Are there studies? Is there things shown why overhead supposedly so bad for baseball? What is what? Are it, they it's
2: not. Yeah, it's it's like this. So I remember when I was in high school. I was in high school when it switched from baseball players shouldn't lift because it makes you inflexible to you should lift because it'll help you throw and hit harder. And like even today, like we still talk with some that they, they're worried that training overhead will like injure your shoulder. And there's like this kind of old school camp that thinks that you shouldn't train overhead. And then there's a lot of um, newer – camps out there like there's a facility uh in the northeast called um apt um, athletic performance therapies uh that they're real big on training overhead and doing the unilateral lifts and like having a formula of like these are the types of things that baseball players are going to be required to do so these are the lifts that they should be doing but i mean for, for us it's usually that we've seen it's usually like more kind of the old school camp of like they, they think lifting is what the football team does. And during the season, they don't want their guys lifting a whole lot and because they think it'll hurt their shoulders or they don't understand, you know, even, even these division one programs are still doing like 90% max effort reps on game days, but they're doing like three sets of three just to remain explosive. You know, like a couple of years ago in the College World Series, they were showing, I think it was like South Carolina, you know, they played at seven, but they lifted at 10 that morning. Yeah. And like, so it, it just depends. Like there's, there's a lot of people that are using the new information that's coming out and they're seeing the studies and they're implementing it. And then there's other people that are, they're like, no, this is the way it's always been done. And this is the way it always should be. I mean, we get flack for stupid things. Like we have guys hit with eye patches on. To improve their dominant non-dominant eye performance, and we get flack for that because nobody's ever done that before, right? And so it's like baseball is real. It's a traditionalist mindset that that this is the way the game should be played. So that
0: they're real, real slow to change. Huh. See what we well, I've said this before, I think on this podcast, which is my greatest frustration with the game of baseball is, um. Uh, I, I can't forget the guy who was uh, the father of like powerlifting. Rogue did a documentary on him. And, Louis Simmons, yeah, not Louis Simmons. No, uh, that's not the West Side guy. But he, he he was a professor at the University of Texas. He had his doctorate. At one point, he was that world record holder squat at like five fifty, right? And uh, he before he passed, he essentially said, "If I if I could drug the doctors and scientists from." my time frame and show them a guy deadlifting 1200 pounds. They're like, no way that guy's going to die. Right. His knee hikes are going to shoot across the gym. His heart's going to explode. No human being can deadlift that or move that kind of way. And but yet here we are. Right. Same thing with uh, I'm assuming in some of the Highland games, these distances are going to keep getting further and further as people get stronger to learn more or training. But baseball's last 400 hitter was Ted Williams. Yeah time somebody achieved the high point of the career was pre-World War II or post-World War II. And if you look at the numbers and, you know, you paid attention, you said before we got out here, if I hit 220 and 40 dingers, I'm okay, right? <laughs> Everyone's bemoaning the fact that the average hitter is hitting less and less and less, but when you poke and go, why don't we try something different? He goes, whoa, 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 easy, fella, easy. This is the way we've done it for 100 years. So, All right, 1941. 1941. So Alaska. I got to make sure we have one thing right. Yeah, the last guy. No, everything we've said here has been accurate. (laughs) Accurate. Daniel McKim McKim knows the Queen of England. (laughs)
2: Well. I can Google fact check that real quick.
0: (laughs) Broad terms. um, It's a personal relationship, Robert. He doesn't broadcast it. (laughs) 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 They call and talk about corgis. Daniel McKim Big fan, <laughs> big fan. So it's been a it's been it's been a frustrating but kind of rewarding event to individually start dragging people into new ways of thinking. But as a general rule of thumb, baseball is still stuck in this is how we did things in 1950, and this is how we're going to do stuff. So, so yeah. that's the, I, I to answer the question why I don't know. That's been one of my. I'm sure you do the same thing. It's one of my biggest confoundments in life is when people go I may people have this ability they don't go I may have this wrong (laughs) it's like I need to look and study I may have this whole thing wrong right And, and I think weightlifting is a big idea I may have this wrong because right 225 is 225 yep you can't get there you're doing something wrong and there's no there's no arguing with A forty-five pound plate. There's no argument to be had. I am, and I think sometimes weightlifters we have to find it on our own. We have to find different answers. Be like, hey, I'm not throwing. I'm not throwing far. Yeah, right.
1: If you're not questioning, then are you really improving? And if if you're saying stagnant, right, you're 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 losing. You're going back. I know for me, every year it was. Okay, I had a good year, had this or whatever it was. Here's what I got to prove on, right? So I have my goals. I'm a big goals guy. I put them on my marker board. I put them on my window or sorry, my mirror and put all those things out there. And if we're not examining that, especially in something that's so technical for me as a thrower, incredibly technical. Baseball, incredibly technical. Uh, I mean, and that was blows my mind when people like, oh, well, he's in a big hitting slump. Yeah, dude, because technique's off a little bit. and it makes a big difference. And uh, it's just got to snap out of it. He's got to fix this or do whatever. But if you're not looking to constantly improve and change, well, then you're just, you're stagnant and you're going to lose because you're you're exactly right. Things are improving. People are getting better. And and, man, the distances, even I retired four and a half years ago. I look at some of these amateurs now. I'm like, good night, man. They were throwing, they're throwing bigger numbers than we were when I first started turn pro. And there's still as an amateur, I'm like, man, it just, it's just coming. And it's not that there's always been strong guys, but it's that it's the technique, it's the application, it's the knowledge. It's what are you applying today so that you can be better weeks from now? And it's amazing to see the progress.
2: I think the, the most important question that I have is how do I become a little Debbie brand ambassador? That's- <laughs> <laughs>
1: Well, to do that, you're going to have to either get me fired or kill me, so let's not do either, okay? (laughs) Game Uh, on. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, man. So, yeah, I'm a Little Debbie Brand ambassador, and honestly, I got it from from social media. So long story short of it is, is one of my followers is a relative of Little Debbie herself, and so... So, I will make these stupid videos, and sometimes they involve little Debbie's. I grew up on little Debbie's and I love them. And so, he started showing her some of my stuff. And she, and because I, I got a call from the marketing department, they're like, Hey, how's it going, Dan? This is so and so from the marketing, McKee Foods. And I'm like, Oh, McKee Foods, you guys make little Debbie's. And he's like, Yeah, yeah, we do. Thanks. Uh, we do make those. And he's like, uh, You don't believe this, but. Uh, <laughs> Uh little Debbie uh has asked that uh we work with you on something. And I was like, Well, you mean like the company? And they're like, No, like Little Debbie. She's actually here, she has an office down the hall. And I'm like, whoa, you know little Debbie? And they're like, Yes, yeah, sir, we work with her. I was like, God, oh, it's so cool. He's like, Yeah, we want to see what you guys would do. We got an ambassador program. And I said, You probably seen them. So they had a they had a on the website, they had an application for Little Debbie brand ambassador. So I would fill it out like two or three times a day. Like five, six days a week, you know. So I know there's like a marketing intern going, Bling, that's another application from that McKim guy. <laughs> he feels out like the same thing every time. I swear he has it copy pasted
0: every time. The, the, the conundrum for little Debbie is if they bring you on and start giving you snack cakes, that could probably, and you're not buying them anymore, that could probably tank the stock price. <laughs> yeah, it takes, I know, my wife and I, we have five boys. And so it's
1: like, well, <laughs> We just, <laughs> we just lost 3% in national sales.
2: <laughs> maybe, maybe we can get a shout out since we just gave them at least a five minute promo on there on the show.
1: Yeah. <laughs> I'm
2: going gonna, I'm gonna to tag them. I'm going to tag them when
0: we post it. And... Yeah. I've got a, a friend of mine. who is a power lifter. And I told him we were going to talk to you and he just about came out of his shoes because he is uh, like all good power lifters, right? You're a little bit thick. <laughs> yeah. Right? Because mass equals mass. This is what we tell our kids to come in and weigh 120 pounds. Like, what do I need to do? Gain 60 pounds? Yeah. You need a fork. <laughs> That's what you need. Exactly. How do I hit the ball further, coach? I don't know. Quit weighing as much as my 12-year-old daughter. That'll help. Uh, yeah, your little daddy lifting merch. Because uh, that is the pet of all fat kids everywhere. Because you can feel like, I'm not a fat kid. I'm a lifter. and you know, this is I'm just carb loading because... I got to get big, to lift big.
1: <laughs> that's right. Man, that's that's been a blast cuz Little Debbie, that company is they're awesome, they're an amazing, they're super cool. Turns out they love to lift. Little Debbie herself like trains at her house, uh, a bunch of their higher-ups are big into training and stuff. Like they're they they're awesome. They live it and it is funny cuz it came up with that little Little Debbie lifting team. And it's funny, the people I get uh, messages like, hey, bro, uh, big fan of your uh, Little Debbie lifting team. Like, what do I got to do to get on the team? <laughs> like, <laughs> well, I said, I finally started to say, well, you buy a shirt, you're in, bro. You yeah. are in. Like, yeah. Or they'll contact me to sponsor them. And I'm like, doggone, dude. Like, I wish, like, I, I wish I could. But I'm just, I'm just, this is just for, for fun. So this is just a something. So I wish there was a legit team that we could create that like competed against other people, I guess, like against other brands or something.
2: (laughs) What's your, what's the go-to Little Debbie snack for you? Oh, bro.
1: That's uh, my Mount Rushmore is uh, oatmeal cream pie, uh, big uh, fudge rounds guy, the nutty buddy. And then honestly, unpopular opinion, but chocolate cupcake, the Little Debbie chocolate cupcake. With a little squirrely, uh, yeah, white icing on top. Dude, no,
0: so, no, there's no way that tops like Christmas trees or zebra cakes or Swiss. Okay, okay. I, I think most, most, <laughs> most, underrated one for me, Star Crunch.
1: Yes, thank you. That's an, I actually, uh, box right there. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> but I will yeah. say, Christmas tree cake, yes, is amazing, but it loses points because it's seasonal. I can't put something in my Mount Rushmore if I can only get it two months out of the year. That's so that's a valid point. So, you won't eat a McRib on principle? <laughs> I actually don't like the McRib. You don't like the McRib? Or the Shamrock Shake. Yeah, I said it.
0: <laughs> <laughs> Daniel woke up this morning and chose violence. <laughs> <laughs> We're, we'll start off as a nice conversation about church like softball yeah. turned into overhead training for athletes. I just. Crafting on front squats, and then going after the McRib and the Shamrock Shake. Yes. Hey, you tell me, do you drink the Shamrock Shake? <laughs> that's a that's too far. <laughs> <laughs> I could if I would. I would if I could. I would, with it, and I would enjoy every minute of it for, out of spite. Now, <laughs> I have one right now. Just a ten-minute break. of how delicious it is. And Daniel kim doesn't know what he's doing. You're going to drive up to there and be like, well, my can I going to
1: help you. you will take a non-dairy shamrock shake, please. <laughs> what?
0: Yeah, non-dairy shamrock shake. Thanks. Just, you. And this, then after what? You heard me. <laughs> Go back, you'll milk an almond. Come back to me. <laughs> yeah. Can I get an oat milk shamrock shake, please? Here's the thing is, like I said, I, I can remember what it used to taste like and I am a cereal guy I love cereal yeah. and cinnamon toast crunch and fruity pebbles and you know it's not the same you pour soy milk in there you can just you just feel a piece of your diet it's just it's not I'm feeling sorry for
1: you because it's just like cinnamon toast crunch and soy milk I don't it's like the combination I would if you just said I eat wheaties with soy milk I'm like yeah I get it or, uh <laughs> Yeah. Cracklin O'Bran. brand. <laughs> exactly. I understand. I understand. Gregg- special special cake, grape nuts, grape nuts. Can we agree the
0: single worst cereal? Grape nuts. Yes. I, I can tell you this when you're a kid and it's the only thing around. Uh, if you put about six teaspoons of sugar in grape nuts, it turns into a fantastic treat for everyone. <laughs> you just you just crunching cardboard pellets. <laughs> just enough sugar. You're doing fantastic. Yes, we agree on that. So I got one thing before we get out of here. Yeah. Here's the biggest the biggest thing that I see with our athletes. How do they get big? What do they got? To, I mean, they don't have any concept of how much they have to eat or how much they have to. So I, I'm, I'm going to take another shot in the dark here. Yeah. Get ready for the, the Highland Games, you put on weight because you knew you needed to have that extra weight. So yep. for our high school athletes and maybe listen to this, what did that day look like for you? And just break. I say, here's what I'm going to eat. How often I'm going to eat. Yeah. Do I do to put on 20 pounds for an event. Okay. So when I
1: graduated college, I was six five, two fifty five. 255 I thought I was huge. I was like, man, I'm a big dude. Right. I rolled up to my first comp and I was a, uh, I threw, I was a D two thrower and I was an all American. So I kind of came up with a little bit of, I needed a little humbleness. And cause when I rolled up to this comp, it was just like a small comp. And I was like, I was an all American thrower. I'm fine. I'm 6'5, 255. And I rolled up, and like these amateur guys are like 280 to 310. I was like, whoo, And I just proceeded to get my butt handed to me that whole day. And I was like, wow. And a lot of these guys are like, yeah, I never throw before. I'm like, well, you're, you're smoking me. And I actually dedicated my life <laughs> to it so far. And so I learned real quick. I was like, man, if I want to be any good at this, I got to put on some pounds. So I got up to 280, and then I was I was an upper amateur, and I realized, okay, the, like the top dudes are like 285 to 320. Like I gotta get bigger, and so I got up to 311. That was my PR. It was a this was big. Oh, yeah. that's career. the greatest thing ever.
0: <laughs> <laughs> that's not the heaviest I weighed. That was my personal record, and I think one day I I'll get there with enough
1: discipline. Dude. It was great because I was working a I was working a desk job at the time, and uh, they had a that health day <laughs> that <had> health day <laughs> when they were giving us they were doing tests and stuff on us, and I was like, oh yeah, I'll go to the, the health day. And I remember walking in, and I was like, I got on the scale, I'm like, yes, 311. <laughs> and they're looking at me like, yes, that's pretty heavy, isn't it? And I'm like, yeah, that's a PR. I hope you know that. <laughs> oh, that's great. Write that down put it on the bike. <laughs> I go home and my wife, I was like, yeah, she's like, "How was worried. I was oh, it's good. Good day. You know, all that. And she was like, Hey, by the way, what, what do you weigh right now? And I was like, I don't need that kind of aggression. Okay. Yeah. So <laughs> I remember telling, I was like, my first response was, well, what's the matter to you? She's like, I'm just asking. I was like, well, you never asked before. Like, wh- why, how dare you ask me how much I weigh? Like, she's like, I just need to know. And I was like, Why? Why? Cause it's a new, it's a PR. And she's, she's like, I could tell because you're snoring like a bear. She goes, are you over 300 right now? I was like, how does she know? I was like, she's not an athlete. She doesn't know any of this. And I was like, yes, it is three 311. And I'm happy about it. She's like, we're well, snoring like a bear. And anytime you're over 300 pounds, I can't sleep in the same room. as I was like, nah. <laughs> so I hit that 311, but anyways, <laughs> ridiculous story beyond, uh, it was it was one of those things where i had to eat because i was stuck at that 275 280 i was like man i gotta go 300 it's gonna help me throw so much further i'm throwing heavy implements i'm throwing 160 pound caber i'm throwing 56 pound weights with one arm i'm like this is it's throwing me around so it was that six to seven meals a day it would i'd sit at my desk job and i'd be like well it's three o'clock i've already eaten a uh, breakfast post workout protein shake at 10 o'clock snack, a big lunch. And I'm here about three o'clock and I'm like, wow, I have to go into the break room and warm up my frozen pork loin that I've been eating for seven months. Right. I was just like eating meat and eating, eating, eating. And I was miserable, but I had to do it to gain the weight. I go home and eat and then I'd go throw and practice, you know, and then I'd go home and eat dinner. And then for a bed, I'd hit protein shakes. And so what I did is here was my rule. I had two rules. Number one was if I was at work or if I'm someplace, I wasn't hungry. And somebody says, hey, man, you want some of these M&Ms? My answer always had to be yes. Yes, I do. Like, hey, man, we just got donuts. You want one? Yes. Because to gain the weight, you have to force feed yourself. You have to realize I got to eat when I'm not feeling like it. So that was number one. Number two is when I had a meal at dinner or something. And I would go, cool. I am satisfied. (laughs) All the things you're not supposed to do. I am not hungry. I'm not. I am satisfied. I have to go get another plate and I'd have to, I'd force myself to go to the other plate. And so it was just those little things that eventually helped me gain the weight over time. Again, the things you're not supposed to do.
0: Yeah. You have to do that. Yeah, that's that's a really good rule. That's a, you know what? That was brilliant insight. Yeah. Always have to say yes. And I can't, I can't be being satiated. is not enough. <laughs> yeah. so, so pretty brilliant much role. gluttony. It's great. Uh, <laughs> exactly. <laughs> just dip the toe in one of the seven deadly sins and see what happens. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. That's great. Uh, you got anything else?
2: No, I, I, I think uh, we, we got to figure out a title for the episode. It's history. It's, it's, it's going to be called history. Yeah. Hacking.
0: Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> history, <laughs> little Debbie and with protein shakes. Yeah. Yeah. Hey, they yeah. I, I want to say this. I. I don't understand Twitter etiquette just yet. Yeah. Um, but I'm going to tell you this: your high school weight room video. Gosh. Oh yeah, those are gosh. so amazing. <laughs> we go to our high school kids. I just stare at them. That's how you know you're dead on. So I just go. I don't think this is funny. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Well, I
1: I appreciate because my my oldest is in high school. I was like. He's like, so dad. Uh, coaches saw your video. They said we do that stuff.
2: <laughs> I was like,
1: yeah, yeah, I bet you do. But no, I think you could call the episode, you know, gluttony for baseball performance.
2: Yeah, <laughs> yeah, right, <laughs> beautiful. That's what I'm going
0: to tag it. I got one more. I want you. I want to go right hard in the paint. Where are we on hex bar deadlifts? Okay, that's a good question. I'm, I'm not.
1: Sag- I deadlift now, but I'm not throwing. But I will say if you're going to deadlift, I believe as a rotational athlete, as a thrower, do some hex bar deadlift just puts you in a much better position, I feel uh, to avoid injury so I am fine, and I support hex hex bar deadlifts, if
0: you got to do em. my head might the old man in the right because I've still got an old man that sits on his lawn and yells at the kids. Right, it's like you're not ever gonna bloody your shins that way, and that's how you know if you're lifting right. You're bleeding all over the place. It just you know, like he's these kids figured out how to, you know, to smar their their flesh from here to time. That makes me mad. <laughs> yeah, exactly, and of course, you
1: proceed to show them your shins, and and yes. then oh, this one's from that box jump that I jumped on in high school
0: that was made right. of metal. And this was this the time I caught a foul ball off the shin. <laughs> exactly. How dare you take precautions to not be <laughs> I am at the tender age of 40. Ah. <laughs> it's bothersome to me. That's right. Well, you're, you're entitled to it. Yeah, thank you. I appreciate that. But Daniel, it's not every day we get to meet a friend of royalty. Uh, and have- <laughs> so thank you so much, uh, Gluttony and... Well, give us the title again so Robert can write it down. I think it was uh, gluttony for a baseball performance. Something. Yep. <laughs> yeah, there gluttony. we go. That'll work. Daniel, thanks so much. Gluttony uh, and slapping dingers. <laughs> <laughs> I like that better. Hey, thanks so much. Uh, we'll be in touch, and uh, maybe we'll do this again. Appreciate you guys. It's an honor to be with you.
1: Have a good time.